What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 364. Coming hot off the heels of our top films of 2022. We're getting into this new episode. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. And as always, I'm joined by Ron and John. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? Glad to be over with the, the <laughs> list, man. It was stressing me out for weeks at a time. And I'm glad. Yeah, that, yeah I feel like we've just uh, we turned the page. Detoxed. We, we have. Yeah, we yeah. turned the page. We detoxed. We broke up with that toxic uh, significant other that's kind of sitting in the winds. We got rid of that. Except this was like a significant other that we loved. Yeah. And oh, we yeah. enjoyed. And but we did, we <laughs> thought of our 10 favorite things about them. And then we said, get out of here. Oh, oh, those are the most toxic. <laughs> <laughs> the people who those you like so much. <laughs> you like so much. For it's dangerous. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, the, for, for the way they make us feel. Yeah, if mm-hmm. listeners are just hopping on for whatever reason, uh, because of this episode, we're referring to our best of the year list, which we just did for 2022. So that's our last episode. And it was, uh, yeah, it definitely left, left me feeling like, I mean, it's that weird anxiety just about have you seen enough to make a good list, then yeah. realizing you have, and then and then it relaxes a little bit. And I'm still going to let a few things I didn't see kind of trickle through and Hopefully, sure. you know, I might I might uh, rethink things. I wondered one day, would you guys like to go back and do an episode where we look at all of our top tens and and if we want to bump something out or or slot something in for you know reasons that things have changed? Like the the original still stands, but would you want to yeah. create like the asterisk version just to see how we feel about some of our picks from you know maybe nine sure. or ten years ago? Yeah, That'd be fun. That'd and be we fun. should. I call I want to call this one the snap. Like it, you we since COVID happened, it was kind of like the snap in in the Marvel universe. Like we missed that part too. So maybe we could rattle off some movies that we may have missed. You kind of suggested that as well, like offline. Yeah, yeah just just, just make like, a list for those years and rattle them yeah, off. Just a and couple it, of movies. Yeah, we don't have to like get into depth of get up the why we were loving them, but you know, people will feel the emotion through the just the name. Just yeah. the names of the movies. <laughs> and if it's a movie that we somehow didn't talk about that we should have, that will be a nice way for it to come up. Do you know what I mean? If for yes, some reason we're yes, realizing, sure. oh, we never talked about this or that. So, oh, yeah. So, what do we have on tap this week, Steve? Well, thankfully, we're finally, yeah, we're finally getting around to, to the next uh, discussion for our required viewing segment. Ronald picked, uh, gosh, man, a classic, an OG, uh, The Godfather. Yeah, uh, we've had plenty of time to watch this, but yeah, we're, we're going to get into that in a moment. But uh, and and remind me real quick, you didn't see it before, right? You said you no, hadn't seen it, right? I've okay, this is one of those. I've only one of those... seen the first five minutes or so right. every time. I've never seen right. Even in between scenes, the closest I've ever seen is Naked Gun thirty three and a third, which had portions of that movie in it, like sure. Yeah. Yes. You know, I was uh, the Simpsons writers joked that they had parodied. They felt every moment of Citizen Kane at a certain point that almost every shot in Citizen Kane had been parodied on the Simpsons. I mean, that they were exaggerating, but they kind of meant you could almost edit together a version of Citizen Kane from all the Simpsons references to that movie. And I, I don't think that's true of the Simpsons and the Godfather, but I do think that pop culture and the Godfather have such a love affair that you could feel like every other line is something you've heard recontextualized or satirized or just used or paid homage to or quoted. You know, I mean, it is one of those crazy movies in that way that every little piece of it has become an iconic thing. 
Um, but I wonder, I, yeah, I can't wait to hear what your impression was of watching it for the first time in 2023. I was about to say 2022, but yeah, I was dead wrong, brother. It's funny you say that. There's a movie. Have you seen that movie that took the pieces of fan clips of uh, remakes of uh, RoboCop? They pieced them together oh, to make a full movie. I've heard of that, but I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It is I've the strangest it. movie. <laughs> it's so good. And I bet somebody could actually do that for the God. That would be so cool if somebody did that for the Godfather and like made this amalgam of these clips throughout history of just everything that's that's parodied or referenced a shot yeah. or uh, yeah and you all, i mean you could definitely put together like a a, a, a cliff notes versions uh cliff's notes yeah, version sure. of the godfather um did we have any business we wanted to get to before we dive into this I, a movie i'm prepared to say is a classic film <laughs> yeah it's a hot take there i'm sorry I, I'm, I shouldn't a, come in shouldn't come in so hot like here at the top of the second yeah, um, yeah. spoiler alert uh, I don't know. Is there any? I don't think there's any big news. I mean, we got a couple yeah. new trailers. A new Ant Man trailer. Yeah. Um, new trailer trailer for third season of Mandalorian. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it just I need came to out. Watch yes, it. Yeah, yesterday I think afternoon okay. it drops. Um, but in most cases, I mean, at least for me, those those things, I'm I'm at the same level I'm at already. You know, with both, it's just like mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I want to yeah. check them out. I want to see them. It? Neither one of them really like. I would say wowed me with anything special, but as far as the I mean, trailers themselves, yeah, the trailers themselves. I feel like the first Ant Man trailer is better. It's got that uh, Elton John edit or whatever the dub it makes of me that, so sad. For that's so reason. emotional and so potent, and yeah. that blends into what seems almost like a sound effect or sound design thing for Kang. You know, the, this kind of weird thing. And the new trailer, I would just say, is noteworthy just because it's that trailer they put out closer to the movie that gives you more of the story yeah. and i like the stories that's one of the things we've talked about with spider-man a good spider-man story is usually peter making some kind of mistake mm. uh this looks like that's what's going to happen with ant-man and kang is that he's going to make a deal with kang and then discover he can't and then that's going to be a thing so i'm intrigued by that but yeah i agree with you steve visually and just uh in terms of getting you excited for a movie all it really did was to add a little bit more plot detail so that you might understand what the shape of the movie is but um and i would say the mandalorian i think i think this is where we're going to be officially seeing the most like uh you know damage hurt whatever you want to call it from the fact that the mandalorian second season ended with a cliffhanger for that show that was then resolved in a few episodes of boba fett and now that mandalorian's coming back it feels like this is kind of status quo Mandalorian like they're going to have to do something right. to get us into this world whereas yeah. if the season was starting off and we were going how are they going to be reunited that would be a much hookier uh entree to a new season I think for a lot of folks but yeah I mean it looks like yeah, the Mandalorian sure. so I can't really complain too much but I think Andor has kind of spoiled me for for Star Wars shows we'll see we'll see if Mandalorian yes. season three can kind of you know up the ante on dialogue and character a tiny 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 Grogu sized bit yeah. Um anything from your end, Ronald, that you wanted to mention? No, not like talking news trailers or anything like that. Um so tell us, maybe... Ronald. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go, go ahead. No, I was gonna jump to the next segment, but it sounds like you sure. were about to give us no, a no, 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 no. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk well, about Well, Ronald, this. I just wondered how you found this film. I mean, all these these required viewing segments, a lot of times it's us pointing out a movie that maybe the others haven't oh, heard sure. of or that hasn't been talked about much, but this film, The God 
father? Yeah, um, the godfather. Like what or the god's father or god's father. First yeah, I thought it was right. the dog father and I watched like oh, a movie link thi- a, co- a compilation of Snoop Dogg videos before I realized <laughs> like, that you I watched was- the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was still very good though. Um no anyway, yeah, what like what you kind of talked about this a little bit last time, but I, I love this choice and I just was really wondering what led you oh, to yeah, it. Oh yeah, sure, man. Like um I think one of the things that has helped me in my life is being incredibly aware of who I am as a person. And one of those things was understanding how influenced I could be as a kid. Like if I would have watched Scarface as a kid, uh, we wouldn't be talking. I would I would not be here. I'd be in a different uh, business. You know what I mean? Like I, I just can't, I, can't, I couldn't, when I was a kid, I could not differentiate like, those things in my head you know i'm I'm like this is aspiration this is this is the dream and you know <laughs> mafia stuff is kind of like that for me i i just kind of knew that i wasn't mentally in a place where i could take them in growing up because it i mean boy this is this is a weird conversation but uh a lot of the people that i looked up to growing up were drug dealers um, like for real, like incredibly well-dressed, cool, that kind of mimicked this stuff. And so, you know, I wanted to wait until I got older and <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be 39, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, 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 I dove into these movies kind of with nothing in my periphery besides the, the, the pieces that I'd seen, like the, the the joke on every cartoon with the horse in the bed, the you know, offer you can't refuse, the you know that that kind of stuff. And beyond that, I hadn't seen more than like five minutes. The 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 song coming in, the complete black, and then yeah. going into the that's all I'd seen. Mm-hmm. So I was fresh, man. I didn't. And then, and then the first version I'm seeing is a remastered version that is probably unfair as a first viewing of this movie because it, <laughs> it's like gorgeous. It sounds good. It looks good. Yeah. Um, that that's good though. I mean, like, yeah, I feel I think like that's, that's, that's fair. a <laughs> that's right. very fair that's to the movie. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like, because because it deserves that. I think you know, like, yeah. I yeah. think. I think you 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 having your feelings about it, your exposure to it, to whatever degree, pop culture, everything like that. But I feel like you being able to experience a movie like that for the first time in the best possible way, especially because like you are that person, and you know, especially amongst us, that's like highest res, highest quality sound. Like you, you really seek that out. Mm-hmm. So I think like you know, in terms of checking boxes that's like a good thing for you to have been able to secure that kind of experience for yourself, you know, for a first yeah. time watch for sure. Right, right, right. You know, it was a part of the trilogy that was released last year. It was completely remastered. Um, just a gorgeous, gorgeous set of movies. Now I, now I, I got a hot take that right off top. I didn't think it was going to be as simple as it was. Like it's, it's, it's a lot, Sim- it's a lot simpler than I thought it was. I thought it was like this complex underworkings of the. Nah, it was just like relationships and you know betrayal. And I, I think that I I thought that I couldn't tackle this with like a. I'm like, what would kid me think about this movie? You know what I mean? I'm like, if I were to watch this younger, would I be able to process this stuff? And I think I could, but there's a lot of nuance to it, obviously, but. I think that's a credit to the filmmaking. It's just 
really well told dynamics. Like you, sure. it's really very clear who betrays who, who is hiding something, who is hiding their hand. Yeah, you know, it, they make it very clear. You know, yeah, and in the classic but, sense of the word, like the script sets things up and pays them off. Yes, and like, and I think the interesting thing that you're mentioning, you're right in that it's the linear quality of the story is it's rather rather simple. I think it's more that it's dense. And it's got mm. such like an epic length and it's like the, the, you kind of have to pay attention. I think that's mm -hmm. the way in which it's complicated, but you know, you have yeah, to pay attention to yeah, all those names sure. and catch all those references. But I think you're right. It is told very clearly. And I think that might be a, it's like, you know, you ever read like a, a Dickens book or something like that. And then been just thinking while you're reading it, Oh yeah, there, there's a reason why this is a classic book and why he's regarded as a great <laughs> right, writer. Right, right. It's because he can get you to read the next paragraph and the next page and the next chapter. And I yeah. think this movie is one of those that like, even when it's kind of drifting into these little vignettes, almost it it keeps you going with this epic scope. So, so you're yeah. right. I, I kind of had a similar thought, Ronald. Of just like outside of a few names, it's not that you have to catch and then remember. Um, yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty linear story. Like it doesn't do anything too crazy with a timeline or anything like that. It just the only thing it does is kind of like I said, jump around. Um, what were your impressions? Like how much of the story did you feel like you knew when you were watching it? Did you did you feel like you could predict all the beats or were you surprised by some of the storylines? I was surprised. I, I think I think I just wasn't when this when this opposing force comes into the story, like it moves at a pace, like it's like a pacing to it. Mm -hmm. When the opposing force comes into the story, it kicks off in a way that I just I don't think I was ready for. I'm like, oh God, he dies? Oh, he gets shot. Oh my God. Like mm -hmm. it just it's a breakneck pace after that. And then it slows down a little bit. And then, you know, it kind of speeds up. Um, one mm -hmm. of the more interesting things is like, I don't think I knew that. Uh, the Godfather was going to get shot. I don't mm -hmm. think I ever knew that. I don't think I ever knew that. So when it it happened, I was outside, and Fredo's just I know Fredo's <laughs> not handling it well. Poor Fredo <laughs> just, just kind of drops the gun. Like, I don't... yeah, it's it's a it's a cool. Character study, just about people. Was, was that the biggest surprise for you, plot-wise, though? That the fact that there's like an assassination attempt in the middle of the movie that feels pretty, <laughs> feels pretty hardcore. Like if you <laughs> yeah. didn't know about the later famous scene of him chasing the grandson around in the backyard garden, then you would be thinking, "Oh, this must be when he, this must be it for him." You know, this bit must be how he goes. They made fun of that on Naked Gun. I feel like I feel like there's like spray being sprayed in his face, and he's like, oh. <laughs> like, but. <laughs> no, man, like I, I think as I was watching that, I'm like, I remember this from a parody of this. Yeah. But I hadn't seen the 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 famous thing. But you're right. I thought it was over. I was like, is this like a dream that he <laughs> is this a dream in the future? Like what could have been the the garden scene? But yeah, it was that was crazy. Um I think how freely people were cheating on their significant others was also like the loosey goosiness of it, like. When Michael goes over to Italy, he's still with his current girl, right? Like, he just sees her and is like, oh, she's amazing. I like this girl in Italy. I'm, I'm just going to have sex with her here, and then we'll deal with the consequences. But then that tragedy happened there. And so that that was also surprising, the, the, the exploding car. So 
they went all the way to Sicily mm-hmm. to fucking rig the car up. Goodness. Or they called they called back. Well, yeah. yeah. Like all the yeah. families have roots there. Yeah, they're yeah, but, still, they're still, yeah. but still, I mean, like that is a region. That is a region. Even well, if, I'd say if, if you saw this season of the White Lotus, they even kind yeah. of talk about that. Right. You know, <laughs> that scene. Yeah. Were you thinking about um, it a lot, Steve? Because I yeah. definitely was. I was yeah, thinking about sure. not, not just that scene, but the commentary of Albie's character when he was like, this movie's just a fantasy for middle aged men that want to go back to the days when they could cheat on their wives and not get caught, you know, yeah. um, which which, I, which you're meant to think that character's kind of oversimplifying it. But it is funny to nah, be thinking right. that watching this movie, you know, because I don't you're think right. this movie is a fantasy, but I do think this movie that the people who picked up from this movie that that's when this romanticized view of the mob thing kind of grew from it. I think yeah, this movie yeah. is like attempting to be like Shakespeare, like yeah. Coppola wanted to make like a Shakespearean tragedy almost across the generations of this family and use the Irish, uh, Irish, the Italian American experience as filtered through yeah. the mob. He wanted to use yeah. all that as like a big American story. Um, right. I don't think he wanted to kick off the idea of us like, Go and look at that. What not that the life, you know, of the yeah. mob? But I do think most mob stuff that's come since then has like leaned hard on this movie specifically. Um yeah. I, I think movies, I, I was watching this movie going, I think movies have leaned hard on this movie. I feel like this is one of those movies that when you watch it, you realize like this defined for us what we think great movies are like. Sure. <laughs> like sure. the the long, you know, the the epic aspect of it everything about it feels like there were so many movies that were made after this that were like trying to go for that it's a it's a family saga it's a generational yeah, thing yeah. Uh, that's how you make a great film you know even the score has like a, a risen to this like god level in terms of like how it's been used and how powerful it is that sometimes in this movie when it came up i mean honestly i was overwhelmed at moments by that just as a as a film lover i was overwhelmed yeah. by like what this movie is and and how it's still in that sense it, i mean it it holds up, you know, yeah. it, it, you could hope to make this movie today, but there's nothing about the movie that feels particularly dated in terms of the storytelling techniques. Well, I mean, another thing that shocked me, obviously, was the random swipe at black people with the selling drugs in the. So uh, there's a there's a, that this stuff is a, makes me cringe so hard, even though is, it's probably very accurate to these to these guys. Yeah, for sure. This is a layer thing, right? Because like growing up, you know, if if the world, you know, is not anything of extravagance and you come from humble beginnings these movies are pretty much like the the movies that get quoted people literally have named themselves musical uh, talents have named themselves after these people who probably would never be in the room with them (laughs) it's just like hey who is this coming to the door you know what i mean like it's just that kind of racism that existed but we but we as a as a culture have kind of glamorized it even knowing these terrible things quoting quoting things around these quotes right you know quoting everything but the the terrible things that they said about the black community and um but there is something about it it's like you 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 kind of respect that people feel the way that they feel you know it's just like well, i think even more so like i said it's just an accurate portrayal of how racist these guys would have been especially right, in that, that time, those days right, right, but yeah. i think i think back to a long time ago on the show when you kind of kicked off a conversation ronald about like period pieces in general and how when someone makes a period piece that's just like a guarantee that there's not going to be a lot of uh, black folks enjoying themselves in that movie you know <sighs> and like i hadn't thought about that before you said it that's like oh yeah there is and and since then and i think around that time i was coming to this realization about historical movies already where i was like 
like almost it's almost like uh, like torture porn for for black people sometimes how many movies are made about oh, slavery man. and all that kind of stuff so i kind of feel like there is this weird wanting to see black joy on screen and wanting to be character wanting to see characters that are living their best lives or just having the freedom to do that it is weird when you say well if you're going to set your movie in the 40s then the attitudes yeah. about that are going to be backwards uh, the thing i thought was funny ronald um was that james con when they're at that dinner table he he drops the n-word in in the middle of conversation and then his sister connie chastises him for talking about business at the table not for <laughs> <laughs> he just skips over not for being like... a racist asshole but for talking about <laughs> business um but no you're right it, it, it it's like you could almost pluck those little lines out of this movie though and it would be uh, maybe there's a couple of other places but there's not a whole lot of that in this like i was no, almost no. bracing myself for more of it you know yeah. and and so the fact that it was two isolated moments in the movie i think made made me feel better but yeah it still is very like oh yeah here we go again and it's like it was reminding yeah. you you really shouldn't admire these guys maybe you shouldn't be quoting yeah. these guys um, yeah, that's that's a that's a huge part of my movie watching experience. It's almost like because uh, <laughs> the only thing I think of. Star Wars, British, like people in space with British accents. It's yeah, it's like I'm 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 imagining something when I watch these movies, almost every movie that comes on the screen, it's almost like. I'm imagining this world that's that's beyond me that I that I've never been to that I don't so like it that's why the 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 like Oscars and stuff make me feel weird because people are like you know what I gave I gave decision to leave a try I gave RRR a try it's like but that's what we do all the time it's like we're always venturing outside of ourselves to imagine a world that we can never that's every movie that comes out so right. the least you could do. Yeah, the least you could do is try our our, our decision to leave or our uh, you know any any movie that woman came. Yeah. Um. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, Ron, before we got too far away from the beginning of the movie, you mentioned the kind of pace of the movie. Mm. Um, that I was thinking about that a lot, and at this time I actually timed it. The wedding scene is twenty five minutes long. That is long as hell. and like sets up so much though when it ends when that scene ends there's like all this family shit all this history stuff the different people coming to him the way the don relates to people and um then i noticed after that i was just like okay i'll look at my watch the next moment is don is tom hagen going to hollywood to take care of the johnny fontaine stuff with the horse yeah, head, right yeah. um but real quick no one talks about how quiet those guys were sneaking into that room with the horse head but i guess that's a different conversation <laughs> unless he's a really a really heavy sleeper you have to be yes. super quiet to do that but, and it was um, like between his legs it wasn't like it wasn't like <laughs> at the edge of the bed which really would have made sense because i could sleep through somebody putting something on the edge of bed it was like under the sheet yeah kind of with he it he had to shift his legs it was it was so overwhelmingly close yeah but he goes life. hard so yeah, yeah. He probably didn't know. <laughs> yeah i was about yeah, to say like, did, didn't he go a little i mean it's like couldn't he have yeah. toned that down a little bit and maybe had a conversation or two about that <laughs> yeah. but i thought uh, robert duvall was great in those moments where he's he just like so all good. right i'm out of here i'm not gonna drop his name asshole all right yeah, i'm gone yeah. um he likes to know bad news yeah. as quickly as possible but what i was gonna say is that whole vignette in in hollywood is like seven minutes so it shows you that after 25 minutes of setting everything up, then they they go yeah. and take care of like a whole plot line in seven minutes. Yep. And then after that, it's all, I didn't time it, but you kind of feel that that rhythm of like every 10 or 15 minutes, it kind of goes into a different subplot or plot line. And you spend about yeah. that much time. I mean, I don't know how long Michael's time in Sicily is. That might be the next biggest <clears throat> like diversion. That's like maybe a 20 minute section of the movie yeah. or something. Um, anyway, I just think it's interesting how with an epic like this, there's not like a plot line usually where bad guys are set up at the beginning and they're 
you're kind of dealing with them at the end. But this movie is able to do that just with the threat of this family falling apart and the enemies yeah. of the family. And the big thing that's like the hook of the movie is the thing that the Don cares the most about. And it is the tragedy of the movie, I guess, is that Michael Corleone goes from being like a, a person with hope in his eyes um, to that you know monster that he is at the at the end of the movie. Yeah, succumbing to the legacy of his family. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, I, you you made a good point. Like the 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 wedding scene comment. Like I think that's kind of a big piece of how the movie is structured. Is that like it, it almost the way you described it almost feels like it's like those sequences like are taking a moment to set up dominoes and then the next few are just watching them fall in succession, you know, as plot points or as, and I think that, that that's something that, I mean, this movie and, you know, and as Ronald, you go through, you know, the trilogy, as I'm sure you'll probably step through now that you've kind of seen this, you know, the second one does a lot of that too. And the third, definitely, I feel like gets away from that a lot, but I mean, this one really, you, you you feel that in the pacing of a movie that's just under three hours, but I mean, yeah. it, it does it really well because, you know, the time that you got to kind of sit still and, and, you know, sit in that moment, like the wedding or even the time in Sicily, there are a lot of things happening in there that are setting up the next oh, four yeah. five minutes. Yeah. So it's almost like you feel the, you feel the acts really kind of uh, yeah. accelerating through the, through, through each piece, which I think it does really well. Using Michael and his new girlfriend, who who isn't a part of the family, to explain the relationships was sneaky mm-hmm. and so fucking good. You know, like so, it, it's like the best, the best pilots sneakily introduce everybody in a cool way. Because you would do that if you had a new sweetheart at like a family gathering and you were throwing them into the deep end with your family, you would sit off to the side with them and explain the dynamics. And I like how she was like, that man's talking to himself and we know he's practicing what he's going to say to the Don. But I love the little observational things that that show you how like this guy's sitting here. Well, across from him is this. Well, across from them is this. And then um also at that wedding we get the most italian sentence that's ever been spoken on film um this guy comes up and says i've got two gabagool a capicole <laughs> and one prosciutto." and this one is that when they start chucking yeah when they were like chucking sandwiches across <laughs> i mean it's, it's 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 that meat i think those three lines that, that those three words though gabagool capicole and prosciutto that's like about 40 percent of the dialogue on the sopranos you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh yeah, it's it was good, man. It was it was a really good story. You know what I don't understand? Michael Corleone is a soldier, as a person that went to war, and yet they are talking to him as if violence is like so far from him. Heck, he's never held a gun in his life. It is the silliest, weirdest. I mean, because obviously mob violence is mob violence, but wouldn't you think that a soldier would be more like? I think it's more about him being like the baby of the family and representing what he does and the kind of fanciness that you saw a little bit of that with Johnny Fontaine, who's not a child, but is like connected almost in that level when he's coming back and the Don's like so like excited at the beginning to see him. You can tell it kind of bothers Tom Hagen. And then when Johnny Fontaine gets kind of like, he's like, yeah, be a man, get out of here and makes fun of him for crying or whatever. You could see see Tom Hagen is kind of loving it. He's sitting over on the couch with this little grin on his face. So I think there is like this competitiveness between the kids about like outside of fredo who seems to be off in his own little world (laughs) they're all sort of competing in a strange way and i think yeah that's where that teasing michael comes from but i think that was especially funny was was later when he's walking with Kay, um 
and she says he says something about how a don is like a senator um or a you know a president and she says but senators and presidents don't get people killed and he says oh now he's being naive you know and he's like i yeah, just got yeah. back from being sent to to go be killed essentially by the yeah. by the government so it's like i think that they want you to think about that ronald but it is an interesting thing that they missed that point and then he's got these nerves of steel when it comes to time for him and that honestly one of the greatest scenes ever can it be like the scene with in the restaurant with him going to the bathroom and they set it up they describe what's going to happen they tell him what to do like five times and somehow it doesn't lose the the suspense yeah Uh, yeah. even having seen it before just that moment of like because it's more about michael and it's like is he going to or are we going to see a change in his face or in his heart in his eyes you know when he when he jumps in like this um I don't know. Is there anything else like, you know, who's kind of a standout uh, actor for you in this, uh, Ronald? Uh, James Kong. Yeah. Fucking ripping and running on the screen. On the screen. Um, Marlon Brando. I like a lot of money in that white powder. That's a James Kong <laughs> line that I've always liked. Yeah. Uh, he dies so beautifully, so gloriously in that fucking movie. Like it is. Denzel saw that, and then that's the, he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tra- I'm gonna train in day, training day. Yeah. training day. I'm gonna do this." Like it's so fucking epic the way it happens, and then it like I'm like he's dead right, and then he's just like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> moving a little more," and then they get down and kick him in the face, and they shoot yeah. him. Like I'm like, "Whoa!" The moment where he realizes it's happening. Oh God, man! Is, is that great moment of just like. Split second, nothing, no time to do anything. But you can see that he's he's smart enough, like animal intelligence. He can kind of yeah. smell out the trap right, right as it's being sprung. You know, the um, booth closed so fast. It's yeah. like ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to see that guy like stick his little head up at the Me end, too, but I, the I end, guess right? I guess we can assume maybe he got got because oh. the, that thing was pretty shot up too. Yeah, they let that linger for so long. I thought I thought you'd at least see the tip the tip of his head too. Um, or you'd see like yeah. a little pee coming out the bottom of the booth or something like that. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's funny like that. Yeah, I would say that he was it's fun to watch young James Khan. He's 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 got a great energy in some of his scenes. I do think uh, Al Pacino is amazing. So in this. subtle. And it's I think subtle. Marlon Brando, it's easy to sort of poke fun at this performance for all the crazy stuff he does. But he's fucking great in this movie. He's like so he just pulls. You believe that guy, even though it doesn't make sense that he's got like weird cheeks or whatever it's like it's yeah, just his yeah. choice but this i just think he choice. puts he puts such a spin on that almost every line has like this regret and all these years and he's a he's a complex character a yeah. simple story like you said but like the way that we see the regret like there's some part of him that wishes he could have been more legitimate or not have not have I guess a lot of people, when they're close to death, they regret all the harm they've caused, you know, but like that idea yeah. that he was not trying to escalate the war at the end um, yeah. and he had to die for things to, to go forward. I think that's, you know, it's an interesting part of the tragedy. Um, there's, but what an there's iconic also character. Like, uh, that dynamic that's like, I, don't, I didn't have with my dad, but I'd say it was more with my grandfather. Uh, there's an energy that, that like granddads, I mean, but that also was like how old yeah that's about how old my my granddad would have been that's like this hyper machismo thing that's like across generations and cultures that just is like the tug of war for respect from them 
You know, it's just like mm-hmm. you 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 lose it one day because you you said something that sounded a little too soft to them, and then you gain it back when they hear that you punched some kid on this in the on the on the yard. You know, who who called you a dummy, <laughs> mm-hmm. said you said you stank or something. You know, it's just like that tug of war that I always had with my granddad that always felt like I was trying to impress him. Uh, that that I could I could see happening in that movie, and it just. I just remember it. it. It felt so real. It felt so familiar to me. Here's an interesting question. Who did you feel the sorriest for? There's a lot of people that meet a bad end in this movie. Who who did you feel sorriest for? The women. All the oh. women. Oh I, I was God, talking man. specifically about people that died, but I guess, oh, yeah, you no, could say man. in general as a group. Bullet, bullets, riddle me with bullets, man. I, I, the, Some of the fates that the women had the, that are living in just a, a miserable life of like being cheated on and lied to and lied to your face and then the man acted like what what are you talking about you just came from upstairs sir yeah <laughs> i'm not a fucking idiot it's and like, even if even if we're going to help you out by by killing the guy who's been who's been abusing you we're not going to do it in such a way that you are part of it or that we're doing it really no. for you it's more like part of the our pride being injured by the fact that you did that no you're right you're that's a good point there's one brief moment in the movie when like the men are meeting about something and that women are kind of ushered out and they cut to all the women standing in the kitchen for like mm-hmm. 10 seconds maybe not even that long and it's such a little snapshot of life which i think is something francis ford coppola did with this movie is he shot so much stuff that was just the actors around each other in the environment so that he could use it later almost like documentary coverage you know but oh, like wow. that quick shot of the women in the kitchen said so much about like like if, in a different story you might say well let's focus on them and find out what they're talking about but that one image or just a few seconds gives you that idea of they're all over here dealing with all the you know keeping the houses running and kind of dealing with the domestic aspect of things in this story not necessarily in the real world but in this story we're, we're sort of seeing them as like separate from the bloodshed and yeah, the horror sure. and um i don't know if this movie's quite doing like a deep examination of of what we would today call toxic masculinity but it is looking at it like it isn't looking at it with admiration it is it no. is trying to to give you like a nuanced portrait of like how these men are kind of stunted um yeah, in in sure. their in their world you know even though the yeah. story you could argue it it could do more to center some female characters yeah, um, yeah for sure what about you steve was there anybody in particular who you you know you, w- you wouldn't want to be him <laughs> i mean well not so much wouldn't want to i mean yeah i guess not in general but i think kind of knowing the arc of the trilogy I, I you know i think michael is the character for me yeah uh just because of what we kind of alluded to earlier just in terms of uh you know opportunity loss and you know a chance to be different chance to break uh the status quo and kind of not getting to do that so you know kind of seeing where he goes especially kind of you know knowing where the story goes and where you know his family and kids and you know that whole legacy conversation that was kind of put upon him and changed the course of his life i think that's pretty tragic and uh you know, because I think, you know, you see it in all the other characters and all the other men and all the other family members and you see how they meet their end and to to think about the one that could have, you know, gotten out of that and yeah. broken that in some way, shape or form uh, may not, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't die in the movie, but, you know, it's just a very sad character 
Uh, I mean, in a way, you, know, you could say. I mean, if you want it to be poetic, you could say he dies in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, sure, the, the yeah. Kind of soul death is the, is the yeah the the yeah exactly the the hope the. I don't know that that's pretty tragic to me. I mean, any any kind of movie. I think I think you know all of us have touched on this, Ronald. You kind of said it at the top. Like, I just feel like this movie, you know, kind of created a framework for a lot of story beats. You know, a lot of like. I don't say cliches, but like, you know, just a lot of narrative points that so many movie shows uh, have kind of been able to utilize and, and, you know, some in different creative ways, some just kind of, you know, a little more of a copy, I guess, in some ways. But I think um, you'd be you'd be really kind of challenged to find a lot of this movie that you could say had really been done before. You know, I think it's why it's kind of has the legacy that it has. I think the way it spreads across so many characters, it is it is an epic. It is a saga um, and it manages to do so much. I mean, it has a lot of it, it spends a lot of time doing it. But again, the efficiency, even at three hours in terms of as simple as the story is, like Ronald said, or as, as it's kind of it's kind of easy as it is to follow. I think it speaks more to kind of what it was able to accomplish with the scope of the family, the scope of the legacy, you know, all these characters spinning in, you know, all these plates going in the air. I think it's just, it manages to do so much. And I think for me, right in the middle, just kind of spinning around with them and looking at everything is Michael. And I think it's just, it is a really sad thing to see, you know, Michael, yeah, like you said, however poetic you want to be, just kind of die in this movie and be kind of forced into this life that he obviously wanted to kind of break from. And, you know, even in this film, seeing the toll it takes on him and his life and, and those loved ones around him, it's just, that's very sad on, on its own and kind of where the story goes forward. Um, You know, it's just as sad, but I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, my, my experience with this whole, with this film and the, and the trilogy, I also kind of sort of came in perspective late to this you know this is one of those things that had always been around and obviously everybody always talked about the godfather but i don't i don't think i actually watched this until i was probably like in my in my mid-20s or so like i feel like i feel like the same thing i had seen like clips and i had seen chunks of the movies but it it really kind of was at a a point like I, i think really after i had just like finished or maybe maybe it was my early 20s getting out of college I just kind of had one of those runs where I was like, I can't not see certain movies that I keep talking about, mm-hmm. you know, even working at the video stores and everything. It was like there was there was a handful of them that, you know, were especially from this era uh, of filmmaking um, that, you know, I, I kind of just like binged all three. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I took care of that piece. Uh, but, yeah, I just recall even then watching this this one for the first time and really kind of you do really feel it like, you know, you really feel the legacy of the film. I, I feel like you, you feel it when you watch it, you know what I mean? Of the mob drama, the saga, the family, like the violence, you know, it just, it's all there to experience. And I mean, it's just cause for the feelings that everybody or most people have about this movie and this, this, this film series yeah, as a whole. Sure. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, obviously it's a classic. It's it's, it's a, I love it, and uh, yeah, there's a reason why it's kind of everything that came after it in this 
in this genre and even beyond this genre, you know, so many things are measured against the Godfather. Right. And, and I think justly so, because it, it is, it is a really, really exceptional thing for film for, and, and as a filmmaker, you know, it's like Coppola had really kind of is in that era of filmmaking, you know, with, with, you know, with, I don't know who you want to include Spielberg, you know, in the seventies and, and, and Altman and Lucas uh, and De Palma, Lucas and... De Palma, that whole crew, you know what I mean? And just kind of forging that path and that, that era of cinema. And this is kind of, you know, this is kind of like at the peak at the top of the mountain. So, um, well, think about this, this was 72, right? Right. And then like 75 is Jaws. And then 77 is, is Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. So it's a little bit like, imagine if like next year, Ronald, you direct The Godfather. And then a few years after that, Steve directs Jaws. And a few years after that, I do <laughs> Star Wars. And we're still all just kind of hanging out, giving each other <laughs> advice. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's like- It's crazy. It's an interesting, it's not just that that brain trust was like, oh, of course they were kind of like the boys club or whatever of that era. Of the, but the, that right. they, they each had their own way of kind of defining a certain kind of movie. For the future you know um even though you could argue that jaws and, and star wars are sort of in the same lane i don't think they are like uh genre wise necessarily but i think that in terms of the type of the type of movie they represent and you know godfather too it god the godfather as well is like a popcorn movie of its own yeah, type yeah. because people wanted to see this movie they did line up to see it i mean it was superly like super successful and like i don't know there was just something about this that it's funny to think now that a couple of years later there was a movie called godfather part two it'd be like take whatever the big critically acclaimed movie of last year and imagine in a couple of years there's a that name part two it feels like (laughs) such a gamble you know and then that it turns out to be one of the best arguments for the sequel being as good or better than the original um of of all time and it's right up there next to what else it's empire strikes back (laughs) and uh um terminator 2 aliens Aliens. james james cameron (laughs) is good at that one thing making sequels that might be better than the original that's true Um, even though I don't think that Aliens is better than Alien, I know that there's a case to be made. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's an interesting thing. And it's important, I think, to hit one of these movies every now and then that is such a well-known movie because it's true that we haven't – there's a lot of huge movies we haven't ever talked about on this show. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to throw out there, too, that I feel bad for Fredo in the trilogy. Uh, and uh, in this movie, I feel like Tessio, Abe Vigoda's character, his last moments are just very quiet and he accepts what's happening to him. But it's just sad to picture that, like – you're about to be go- taken off and killed and all of your friends have sort of yes. stood around you and been like, yeah, dude, it's your time to go. We know what oh. you did. And the way he says, I always liked you, Mike, you know, like it was nothing personal. That always, that always killed me. Yes. Yeah, Just to be slowly taken out the past. They would, I mean, it was, and they, he wasn't like trying to, I mean, you're right. It was so peaceful. He could have tried to spin out of it and run. Oh, beg for his life or something, but instead beg he was like, oh, life. I see what's happening, you know. Yeah. See what's happening. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Well, Steve, I think that means you have to follow up The Godfather yeah. with your choice. Yeah, how do I do that? Throw out something like Garbage Pail Kids, something that just, you know. <laughs> yeah. I... Oh, how I love Garbage Pail Kids. Um, no, you know, I've been thinking about this for a bit. Like, I, I've been trying to, like, use this as a means of seeing some things that I, I missed either in, you know, this last year or uh, recent years, whether it's that, you know, COVID time, you know, early days to that or what. But there was a movie that kept popping up on um, my radar through film Twitter, through some friends recommending it. 
Um, and I was, I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's a movie from last year and it's a movie on Netflix. So it's something that should be easy for those that, you know, maybe watch along with us. But um, a movie came out last year called Athena mm. um, that have been, has been on some top 10 lists this year. It's one of the ones that when we were talking about our top 10 lists that I kind of wanted to see because it's kind of in this same kind of uh, drama crime thriller conversation that we're having around uh the godfather not not the same at all but it's just like there's a lot of conversation around crime social hierarchy socioeconomic stuff in uh this movie but yeah i don't know i I just kept seeing it come up i did see athena okay cool um so hold your thoughts ronald don't don't yeah yeah So yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I want to see it. it Cover it, your a, eyes. It's it's it's, it's what what'd you say? Ronald was covering his entire face so that we don't see we don't see his his reaction. Yeah, I didn't make my list because of when I like it. It would have made my list, but it was weird because it did. like didn't it come out in like two thousand one? Like the, it was like two thousand twenty one. It was like a weird. It's a foreign film that w- that came out like the end of 2021, but it came out on Netflix in 22. And I didn't, I don't think I know where to put it. Yeah. I mean, I just see that it came out in September of 2022. I don't, yeah. I don't know like what, what happened, you know, yeah. in France where, where if it came out somehow in France before that, but I, I don't know that history, Yeah. but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of, it's one of two movies I've been kind of holding for my picks here. Uh, and I think the other one actually is on Netflix too, but um, and also a foreign film. But this is the one that only because we just did those top ten lists, and I was like, there was like four or five movies that I didn't see, um, and that I thought the most of the three of us may not have seen. So knowing you saw it, it you know, it's still two of us haven't, because um, I think the other ones on my list, either you or John or both of have already seen of the ones I didn't see last year, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just heard so much about like just visually, you know, the, the watch it loud. Yeah, the look of the movie, the production, like it's one of those things that just seems um like it would be kind of up my alley and I don't know. The idea of even the trailer looked just pretty incredible. So, um yeah, I don't know. Athena is on Netflix now. Uh it's it's I think it's under hour 40, so it's, you know, it's not like a big commitment. If you want to kind of check it out and listen along next week when we talk about it, um, that's my pick for the next required viewing, Athena. Cool. I like this I, this this required viewing list. It's going to be fun to look back and just list those movies at some point because we, we're getting a nice yeah. spread of different types of movies and yeah. different eras. And yeah, it's always important to remember. I was even thinking about that, about movies that I think we've all seen, but we just didn't get a chance to talk about that. Like mm-hmm. you can use required viewing just to force a segment <laughs> on a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think that uh, a recent movie like this, it's good to, to swing back this way. So cool. Looking forward to it. Um, so let's jump into the next uh, piece. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on it only because it's just starting. Yeah. Um, and we can kind of maybe... get access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get the special access, but we can kind of watch along and maybe just kind of jump in weekly and kind of give some thoughts or maybe every couple of weeks kind of jump in and, and update. But um, what are watching H- it just like all the dollars out there who are doing right, this thing right. We're just the common folk right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of HBO's biggest shows probably of this year, lots of anticipation, lots of promotion, uh, lots, lots of conversation lots. over the last couple of years. 
Um, for The Last of Us, um, started this past Sunday on HBO in that Sunday primetime slot. Um, Pedro Pascal, Bella Thorne, uh, Anna Torv that we've seen so far. Um, and obviously uh, there's been a lot of uh, actors, actresses name that are going to be in the series as it goes forward. I think an interesting conversation point is simply there's like two sections of people watching this show, people who play the game that it's based on people who haven't, I have not played the game. I know Ronald, you mentioned before. I mean, I knew this already based on who you are and the fact that I know you, that uh, you obviously have played the game. And I know a lot of friends of mine who just kind of, you know, it's basically there's the last of us and there's the rest of games that are out there. You know, it's the way some people talk, you know, about this game. And, you know, and that's kind of like been in my mind going into this. I've never played it. I know that it's reputation and I knew a little bit about, you know, just, you know, the simple plot of the game. Um, but I don't know. I kind of I think it gives a good opportunity because there's always conversation around like adaptations of video games and things like that. But I think this one has something special simply because, you know, you look at the pedigree of the cast that they've got together for this. You look at the idea that Craig Mazin is directing, show running, writing the show along with Neil Druckmann. You know, one of the creators of the game and, and you know, the sequel of the game and Left Behind. Um, but I think it's kind of an interesting way to look at this property only because you'll see a lot of the conversations about how it's different from the game. And, you know, or I'm just watching this as a show that looks awesome and I can't compare it to anything. So I don't I don't need to. I can kind of look at it as what it is. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious, you know, we, we can obviously just in general, our, our overall thoughts of the show, but Ronald, you specifically, you know, not to compare and contrast the two, but just yeah. to say, you know, your experience with the game and your initial thoughts, if you want to start it off just a bit, you know, to kind of say what you thought of the pilot of the first episode. Um, yeah. For, for the last of us. Oh, sure. Um, I'm a gamer, a uh, lifetime gamer. I used to work in the gaming industry for about seven years, used to test video games. Um, and so I'd always kind of kept uh, epic storytelling in the back of my head. Um, Metal Gear Solid was the first game that I ever played that was like a story, like emotional stakes, things like yeah. that. Uh, in 2013, I bought The Last of Us uh, the year it came out, and it kind of wrecked me. It, it was like all the things that I knew a video game could be, but then it exceeded it. There were emotional stakes that I had never seen before. There was connections. People people died at times that you just weren't expecting. The right. people that die are kind of devastating. And then that's just the first part of the game. And then you get into the like, you know, 20 years later when this gentleman has gone through this 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 situation and has to deal with the 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 emotional, you know, guardedness that comes along with it. And this character comes along and changes his whole outlook that he's had for 20 years. I mean, that's a cool like if I told you that was in a video game before 2013, you wouldn't think it was. It was possible in a fucking zombie game. And somehow The Last of Us took those elements and made what many consider, like you said, a fucking masterpiece. So much so that people edit just the cutscenes together and you can watch it. And 
the best quality possible on YouTube. So there's a case to be made that, that you could watch that and knock that out and see how you feel about that. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I I yeah. I, 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 I I'm not going to until the you know the shows right, know, right, it, right. It's, it's, but I, I've I've heard that like people talking about that on on a few podcasts that I listen to, yeah. uh though those cuts of the cutscenes from the game or the yeah, games. For sure. Um, um and, and one last thing I'll say, um Sony kind of announced a couple years ago that they were gonna start a studio and that would focus on tv and movie based things first thing that we got from that was uh the tom holland adventure film god why can't my brain uncharted 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 Uncharted. because it wasn't my uncharted not my uncharted (laughs) and it just was it it was it was not the best movie but you saw some promise in it right and then the last of us came out and it and it really i mean i'm gonna say this off top really executed this in a way that almost felt too good like it felt like a fever dream like i felt like if i were to have a if i were to play this video game go to sleep and have a nightmare about it and the, the best nightmare by the way it would look like this it would be like this we call those right mares <laughs> right right yeah right there if i was in this right mare and you know and i was stuck in this dystopian future it would look like this show it it really takes all the best things about the game i don't want to compare and contrast but i'll say right all the elements that this game had it really showed it in the in the show and and added some elements that i just wasn't expecting some nuance to some of the characters uh i like the daughter a lot more in the show than I did the game. And the, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I felt the same amount of feelings for, you know, as the story develops, but, you know, seeing these three dimensional characters really added to it. And the, 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 the chaos that ensues in the first episode, I, I, I just thought it was excellent. It was excellently made. And I'm, I'm very curious to see what episode two looks like. What'd you guys think? John. Well, as a person who has probably Steve's experience, but even less, like I've never really spent much time looking at the game or playing it at all. In fact, I could say none, I guess. I don't know if I've ever been around when people were playing it, but I haven't really looked into it. Uh, I have heard constantly about how good it is, though. I mean, that's like there's a lot of games I hear about how good they are. I'm just not a gamer, but I I always think, oh, it'd be cool to spend the time to to kind of get into that, you know, one day, because I do think that like you were saying a second ago, Ronald, that it surprises you to hear that this kind of epic storytelling or layered storytelling could happen in a game. But I just have been assuming for years that's what's happening in all these games that people love, because that's what people always talk about is like the storytelling and the writing. And it's like, and I've always believed like watching movies and television and loving them. I'm there's this whole other amount of storytelling that I have not been experiencing because I haven't been taking the time to play these games. So I, I, that doesn't surprise me. Um, that 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 the show looks great and is well cast also doesn't surprise me because it's an HBO thing but it does I mean it does look great the effects are good the 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 you know Pedro Pascal's getting to do maybe more than we've seen him do even in something that's as well liked of a performance as on the Mandalorian he's going to get to show more yeah. more humanity in this um I would say I like this show from one episode I like it I'm not feeling it yet but I like it and I think yeah. the not feeling it yet comes from just hearing how epic it is and satisfying it is and how big it is and also how much this captures the 
game. So I don't know if, if, if for some reason it's just not my, it's just not my tempo and I don't know that yet. I'll, I'm still on board. Like it, it hasn't hooked me the way that I was thinking it might, like I kept thinking there was going to be some element to this that I haven't heard of, or that was going to blow me away. But, but I think what I was realizing was it's just the, the depth of the world building. And it's the, I think for people who love the game, it's like you said, Ronald, it's getting to see this faithful, uh, and yet still cinematic realization of it. I really love that opening scene that felt kind of uh, sci-fi-ish and noirish that was like set in the 60s, I guess, of like a talk show. I thought that scene was really yeah. engrossing. After that, yeah. it, it to me, just from an image standpoint, just from like when a bunch of characters are standing around pointing guns at each other, it looked and felt so much like The Walking Dead to me, which is just a show that has a a very no pun intended but a very deadening tone for me like i i got i got bludgeoned by that show and stopped watching it mm. um and uh i i don't think this is that show but i'm saying there's nothing yet outside of maybe the design of some of the creatures um the way the creatures are kind of fungal and the way they explode out of people i think that's that's cool and adds a new wrinkle to this kind of thing and actually reminds yeah. me of some of the stuff from annihilation with like the the plant life growing on the wall that's exploding out of the oh, body yeah, um yeah. So i don't know i think there's a lot to look forward to and to find out about this property before i have like a firm opinion on it but i i enjoyed the first episode it did not like become oh this is my favorite thing i've watched this week uh instantly but i definitely felt like when it ended it was one of those moments where i'm really intrigued to see them explore the environment that they arrived at at the end which i thought that like the just the image itself was in keeping with that hbo production value it was a cool design and cool looking thing so um yeah i'm 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 on board even if it hasn't like turned into you know that thing that it must be for the people who love the game and are like i'm glad i'm i'm happy for anyone that gets the adaptation that their heart wanted you know like it's so sad when it goes the other way (laughs) so yeah for sure man yeah this won't be the last episode i watch of the last of us over to you steve (laughs) I, yeah, I would actually say I'm probably what you described. You weren't quite yet. I think that like uh, my my anticipation and expectations for this were pretty high. And I feel like it, in, at least in this first episode, they were all pretty much exceeded. I, you know, obviously we all love Chernobyl. And I think what Craig Mazin did there, I think is kind of what got him just carte blanche in terms of what his next thing was going to be. Kind of rewrote his his reputation. In a oh, my way. God. Yeah. No longer. What is it? Just the hangover guy. Um, or um, or uh, like. Didn't he write some just n- not another blank movies or maybe I'm wrong about that. I he could have. Like he he could have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like uh, th- th- this series really kind of feels like it has that level of pedigree to me so far. And I think it's kind of it's the kind of thing that, you know, watching one episode and not knowing, honestly, not knowing the characters names even going into it. I just kind of knew an overall idea what the story was was about. Um, it, it's kind of the thing that immediately has me like hooked on the language, hooked on the characters, who they are, what they do, you know, the QZ and the zones and the fireflies and like, you know, Fedra. And it just did that thing really well for me, at least we're like watching it one time. I came out of it, you know, with a lot of vocabulary for this world that I don't feel like a lot of shows successfully do on one mm. watch, at least for me. Um, and that has a lot to do with just how engaged I was and how like closely I was following the dialogue and like just conversations about what life is like, you know, in, in 2023, you know, the 20 years later sequence that we kind of spend the majority of the episode. Right. Um, 
but yeah, they did yeah, a great job, like by the way, the... with the the character of the daughter and how that pans yeah. out in the in the flashback. I thought that was a really like not knowing where the character was going to go. That was a really cool way to handle that. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's like you know, and I think even that is an example, like the way they use flashbacks. Like sometimes flashbacks just really are kind of a crutch, you know, and and ways to kind of like for exposition or whatever. But like you know, using it like that in that sequence is genuinely like a flashback in that character's mind. And, you know, to have this moment of like, you know, PTSD and what he's experiencing from what happened to his daughter um, in that moment towards the end of the episode. But, yeah, just just kind of decisions like that. Um, I love the opening that you mentioned in, in 68, like with that talk show conversation around, you know, basically what is cordyceps and, you know, the, the idea of like a fungal infection and how, um, you know, uh, it exists in nature. I mean, it's a it's it's a real yeah. thing, you know. And, and, and I think the idea of also just kind of talking about like you know having that conversation about like a viral infection and bacterial infection in a post pandemic world that we're in now um, yeah. is not like it's not it's it's like not hitting you over the head with that again. You know, it's 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 talking about like you know that kind of stuff is going to happen no matter what, you know, like viral bacterial things are going to happen. They have happened. Unfortunately, people have died. They have died recently. They will continue in future. You know, like that stuff will happen. Something that hasn't happened is this, but that's what's concerning is that, you know, in 68, he's talking about, you know, global warming and, and you know, mm -hmm. the climate, you know, going up and like you thought you, and you sit here now in 2023, you know, and there's so many things in that sequence that you, sequence that you can relate to and, and that are of this time. And it's scary, you know, like that, that opening sequence is scary to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it but is. But to know, you know, and to know, you know, what cordyceps is already. And like, I remember seeing that video of the ant, you know, on, whatever, on like planet Earth, or you can find it on YouTube, yeah. you know, kind of being like controlled by this kind of fungal infection. That shit's scary, man. And I mm -hmm. think that, you know, not knowing even really that's what it was in this game that make these zombie like creatures. Um I thought it was really cool. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, Ronald mentioned the daughter, like Sarah. I thought that whole sequence was great. I didn't know that was, what is it, Tandy Newton's daughter? Hmm. Which, once I found that out, what? you can't, can't unsee yeah, it. Right. Yeah. yeah Nico, Nico, Parker, Parker is... Nico Parker is her, I forget who the father, who her father Get is. The hell out but of you here. put them next to each other and you're just like, oh, shit, now I can't not. I told Aaron that when we watched it and she was like, Wow, now I all I see is her. But yeah, she <laughs> yeah, she was great. Um she was. I don't know, man. I just really, really, really loved it. And I it's like I'm like, I'm like hooked. I'm like looking up stuff and like reading about cordyceps and like just stupid shit that I probably should just wait till next week to watch another episode. But like I just it's really got me invested in like, you know, the, the characters that you meet, even brief ones like you know, Tommy, the brother, and like, you know, the music, the needle drop at the end, and that the sequence you know flashing with the lightning showing outside of the qz and like what boston looks like now and i don't know again not seeing the game i i've heard from friends that i've talked to this week like there are shots in this that are like straight up from the game and like just were really cool to see as a experienced you know gamer or like you know if you were that person like you know you are ronald but like hearing dialogue from the game and seeing shots from the game i thought you know that was cool to hear from that perspective um, but for me, it, it's it's again, I feel like HBO has got this thing where like they slot that thing in there and it's like appointment viewing for me. Yeah. yeah. And and, you know, again, Aaron watched it with me talking to people across the board. It, it obviously was by a lot of people. 
Um, but yeah, man, I'm 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 really excited about this series. I, I really I really like Pedro Pascal a lot, and I love like kind of seeing this kind of characterization of yeah. him. Let me too. Um, it's back to those some of those like kind of, it's reminding me of him on like Narcos or something yeah. like where he was a little bit he had just a little bit more like life to him. Kind of reminds you of like yeah. an old an old fashioned like male superstar kind of uh whatever you want to call that you know yeah yeah he, and he just looks awesome in the show yeah. too like he he just has that physicality he, he has a look to him i mean i know what pedro pascal looks like but the like the look to the character especially getting into the 2023 area you know where you know he's the one that just like without hesitation throws a kid in a fire you know like that's where he's at you know what i mean like and then you have that moment at the end where you know he he's protecting Ellie and yeah. uh, that 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 just juxtaposition or you know that 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 battle in his mind for where he is now versus who he probably really is um yeah. but it's just yeah. so tragically destroyed um yeah man, it's, it's I, always I'm, good to I'm see excited. Anna Torv pop up too she's always oh, she's, she's, always she's awesome man yeah. I'm happy to see her she's great and, I, and again like I kind of alluded to it I kind of you know in some of the clips they had in the trailer and things like that you know um nick offerman being in it and um god what's that guy um melanie linsky has a small role in it um the dude from we were just talking about him with the welcome to chippendales from white lotus season one yeah uh what's his name he murray something he he's in it um also in some role i don't know i just saw i saw his name pop up as something um murray bartlett uh is in the show um and, and by the way, Steve, uh, Craig Mazin wrote the ones I was thinking of were Scary Movie 3 and 4 and Superhero Movie. Oh, wow. Which he also yeah, directed go, and produced Superhero Movie, that is. Yeah, what a oh. turn, right? I know. That's what, what I mean. Like, he was, but I mean, he, but, it's, but since then, he wrote a couple Hangover movies and Identity Thief, yeah. and he's writing the next Pirates of the Caribbean movie. So, I mean, it's like there is definitely like, he's already on that trajectory, but it, I really think it's Chernobyl that made him a guy whose name you would hear attached to a, a, a like a high ticket, uh, uh, you know, HBO show yeah. like this and not, not do a double take. And I, and I'm not saying that I would have felt that way. I'm just saying, I love it when someone it's kind of like James Gunn coming from, you know, the sort of movies he was making early in his career and then getting to make the kind of movies he does now. It's always interesting when someone, you know, manages to just through success, <laughs> get yeah, to yeah. be in the right. conversation and i you know and i do think i'm hopeful that just because i know it's a writer driven show in that way and they have a map from the from the games i do i am expecting <clears throat> like whatever's good about the first episode to be around you know to be consistent because they have so much material to pull from even though for me the value of taking something and adapting it so closely when it already existed visually it's just an interesting thing a, a fan of a book to me, it makes a lot of sense why you're like, oh, I kind of want to see this. But if you're already a fan of the game, is it not weird, Ronald? I mean, isn't isn't as good as the show going to be? It's still going to somehow be inferior to the game. Do you know what I mean? Like the experience of playing the game? It's yeah, not I mean, passive. It's I just I just wonder yeah, how gamers yeah. feel about it's like not, adaptations that way. I like I really do like adaptations of video games. But you're right, man. Like I remember playing these parts. I remember like walking into the apartment when that when when the siren started and the plane is overhead like that stuff is all in the game i mean they they changed it a little bit i mean like the things happen uh when he's in the house but yeah it's 
it's so strange to like it feels like a mind fuck honestly because i'm like i remember this i remember <laughs> how nervous i was in this house calling out for the daughter and in like sneaking around <laughs> and hearing the banging it's just like it, it's like intense intense stuff and i think that it's it's it does feel weird but i think i think it's really cool that it there's this this the the two audiences that you're talking about it adds layers like mm-hmm. yeah like on one level like you don't have the 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 bias of the the source material which makes your experience very different than my experience sure. but also sure. feel like i also haven't played it in a while and i didn't buy the remaster that came out for playstation 5 so like i'm i'm experiencing this again too it feels like i'm watching batteries not included it's like one of my favorite show of movies as a kid it feels like i'm watching batteries not included Mm -hmm. but but like in this serious zombie (laughs) dystopia yeah it's 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 cool i would i would recommend uh i know we've mentioned their 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 productions before but hbo usually has been putting out like a companion podcast for a lot of Mm. their flagship shows um and they they are doing it for the last of us so i'd recommend if you if you are watching the show and 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 enjoying it or just want to kind of learn more about the behind the scenes the production all that stuff um yeah the hbo official podcast for the last of us um is it's it's only one episode's out obviously but it's awesome um craig mazin and neil Druckmann are on the first episode and it's hosted by the guy I, i forget his name but the guy who voices joel in the gaming series whoa um so he he's there and i think over each episode they're gonna have different people from the show uh on there but yeah they were talking on there what's interesting that the point you just made john and you were talking about ronald was like the idea of like a lot of a lot the ability to add a lot to the show that the game doesn't have is kind of what allows you to watch the show in a different way because you're not from the point of view of sarah or ne or joel or you know ellie or whatever uh, the options that you have in the game, which really it seemed like it was those three. Um, but, you know, like the opening sequence and, you know, even talking about that, them talking about the decision, you know, when you go to 2003 and you spend that time with Sarah to learn more of who she is, like you don't get that in the game. No, you know, the no. game just opens on it happening already, you know, in, you know, the, in, in, in that, well, I don't think it's 2003 in the game, but whatever year it is in the game, it's like it's it's immediately her going to the neighbors and that stuff happening, yeah. you know, but in the show, you know, you have time to spend with them as father and daughter. You have time to spend with her doing what she does, going into the city and spending time with the neighbors. And, you know, they were talking a lot about that on that podcast. And you well, know, she almost feels like she's going to be the lead of the show or the. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's and that's and that's the and that's the misdirect of the show for people that don't know the game mm-hmm. is that, you know, you spend this time with this character um, and and her father and then you realize well her father is actually the the you know who you're going to go with after he's experienced this this horrible thing yeah and i'm not talking about this fungal pandemic i'm talking about the other thing that he experiences right right but but i mean that that's the that's the that's the perspective of the show which is like i think what is really kind of wowed me a bit but yeah i'd recommend that for sure if you if you like the first episode even to just kind of catch up there's awesome conversations about like plans for the show, how this season is last of us and left behind. And then if they do another season, it would be the last of us Two, And like what their plans are like that kind of stuff without kind of spoiling anything. They don't really do anything with spoilers beyond talking about the episode. Um, 
but yeah, Craig Mazin is so interesting. I, I, I just really am kind of admire, you know, how articulate he is in terms of what the production and show running is that he's doing for this. And even talking about, they talk a lot about Chernobyl and Chernobyl is kind of what married the two of them together and kind of convinced Druckmann to kind of do this with him yeah. and for HBO. Uh, Cause at one point it was going to be a movie that Sam Raimi was making and that kind of oh. went through development hell. And, um, but this is where it ended. And um, I think they have like, yeah, I think they have something special and I think it's going to be something that a lot of people really enjoy. Um, it's so wild that the, <laughs> And so you kept saying that, but I guess people need to know what that means. The Last of Us is one game. Yeah. Left Behind is the DLC, the downloadable content that comes with the game. So like you get you're getting the 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 like the like the one in the 1.5. Yeah, you're getting like about. the extended edition of the video game in right. a TV show, which is crazy right. to think about. Right. Because I remember waiting for the I, I never played. Uh, left behind I, I i'd only seen clips um but yeah it's cool because i because i'm experiencing that part for the first right time, right which would be really cool because I, cool. I don't ever i don't even know that part i don't even know yeah that i mean they, they they're even like just they were talking about like peppering stuff into this like they mentioned a character riley which i guess is a part a big part of left behind yeah. um but yeah i don't know like that kind of stuff really just is intriguing to me but yeah, I don't know. I, I loved it. I can't wait for more episodes. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up and, and check in on it as it runs through the first season. But yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, HBO. So there's that. Um, all right, cool. Is there anything else you guys want to mention that you saw over the last week? I know, Ronald, I think you mentioned wanting to throw thing. something out there. Go ahead. Just one thing. Warner Brothers, uh, during the course of lockdown, was giving movies to us. That we're supposed to go to the theater. It was an incredible experience. And then as things started to come back, there was a decision to kind of reel it in. Right. You know? I think what I know movies going would this. go to the theater? Yeah. What movies would stay on HBO Max? And they decided to put one movie in the movies. A the couple, movie. a couple, but the first one is this one. A couple, yeah. But this is the first of them. House party. Now, by all means. House Party one, two, and three are some of my favorite movies of all time. They're silly. I, they, they're they're like anybody could watch these movies. They 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 are silly, ridiculous, over the top movies that are very representative of the time they were in. Now, Stephen Glover, uh, co-writer of Atlanta, brother of Donald Glover, wrote this script for a movie that. The first half starts off like a regular movie. The second half descends into something that I can only describe as a one-off episode of Atlanta. But in the <laughs> but in the motion picture doesn't really work quite as well. And I want to tell you what happened. I want to tell you what happened because it's just so over the top. But if you guys are going to see it, you're going to see it. So I don't want to. I don't. Wanna... I don't know. I mean, it's like, are you saying I should see it so that I can see this, or should I not? Because I wasn't planning on seeing it, so oh, I it's... don't know. Okay. I mean, do you want me to tell you? <laughs> so, <laughs> LeBron's ring gets stolen from a party that was run by these two kids that are like cleaners. They decide, hey, I'm going to have a party. They have a party. Okay. Is LeBron it a house get... party? It's a house party at LeBron oh, James. See, that makes sense because yeah. just making sure, yeah, checking at LeBron James's house. Now they figure this out because there's all this stuff around, and 
holograms and things like that. But the villains in the movie that are originally in the other, they're like uh, full force, very funny group. These guys are kind of funny. They steal the ring. Now, Kid Cudi is at this party and he's like, oh, man, they stole the ring. You know, you know who could give you a, another copy of that ring? The Illuminati. I could take you to an Illuminati party. But, you know, I, I came to this party instead. So if you want to go to the Illuminati party, we can go. They go to the Illuminati party. And while they're praying to this deity, whatever this deity is at the Illuminati party, kid in play, the actual kid in play, one of them sneezes, kid sneezes. And in response, the two guys from the <laughs> say, God bless you. The mention of God makes everybody from the Illuminati turn around and grab them and enter them in a human-on-human death match that involves hammers, saws, swords. Kid Cudi gets killed while defending them. They get cut? Yeah, he got killed, and yeah. but they get the ring and actually are able to take it back. It, that That's the second what? half of the movie. No, that imagine, sounds like somebody you know, saw you know, this, this is like, the end. You know, yes. this is like, Ronald, this is like, remember back in the day, maybe this predates, no, I'm sure this would be the same when you guys were little. Remember the kid in the schoolyard who would be telling you about some fucked up movie they'd seen <laughs> yeah. and you had no way of seeing it? Like, there was no way to like, yeah, I mean, no I'm thinking of a time when like, there was no yes. way to like, look up yes. or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> just hearing about it, you know, mm. and you'd, it's like a legend would form. This is mm. the kind of movie that someone would have described to me and I would have thought that doesn't sound real. Like, they're making this up. Yeah. Imagine a straightforward story about a party being held at LeBron's house, and then it breaks off into this. So, yeah, it's like Space I don't wanna, Jam almost, or something. Yeah, there's there's a Space Jam esque part that happens after that. So, like, it's it's all that in a script, in one script. So, like, so so I'm what like, what what was the motivation? Do you think to put this in theaters because it, it completely like bombed? And I think I think the logic was and no one knows it exists. I think yeah, I think the logic was that House Party was a huge hit. Sure, there there is an astronomical amount of celebrities in it, so maybe it would feel like a waste of cameos if they were to just put it on a streaming service. But it would still be. Let me tell you something weird. Here's something even weirder. If Netflix released it, it'd be a smash hit. Because there's something about what Netflix does for you where you're like, oh, this this weird movie that I probably wouldn't go see in the theater is available on Netflix. Let me check it out. And you would kind of enjoy the first half of it and even some of the subsequent scenes toward the end. But it was a disaster, man. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that made me feel like this. In a really long time. I was fucking pissed. Illuminati. Deathmatch. Yeah, that's wild. Gets stabbed in his... Yeah, man. It's, it was wild. It was he gets stabbed in his stomach. Oh, he, like, bleeds out. And it wasn't, like, a funny bleed. It was, like... Just gore. Just... I'm like, what is this? What is this? But it felt like an episode, like a really poorly put together episode of Atlanta. <laughs> it was even structured kind of like it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that would happen in an episode of Atlanta. Like you could, could get, get somewhere, some of that stuff you could throw into an episode. They wouldn't usually go that like, yeah, it would, with it. yeah, the death, the death match and all that stuff wouldn't happen. But yeah, it would. 
Yeah, it was strange, man. I could see them realizing they were in a famous person's house and then just having a lot of fun with all the crazy crap that's in that person's house. You know, like that's the thing that it yes. would be like on Atlanta. They kind of did that already, I guess, with, uh, was it Teddy? What was the name of the character? The Michael Jackson Teddy, uh, character? Oh, yes, the Michael Jackson character. Huh? Teddy Perkins? Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins. Teddy Perkins. Oh, um, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so creepy so crazy voice. and you know he didn't do another crazy voice like that until he did that tyler perry character in the in the last <laughs> season and it was a very similar kind of thing of like just a weird weird guy just a choice yeah a no choice doing character work um yeah what have you well, guys I, seen i mean you made me curious about that movie but i still don't think i'll see it so thank you for okay. thank you for ruining it for me because I, there's no I had to tell you. I had to tell no, it was so no it's appreciated. No, Steve, did you have a moment where you thought he was done telling us it, how it got wacky, and then there was another couple layers after that? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I heard Illuminati. I thought that was the twist, yeah. and then I heard death original match. kitten play, God, death match, kid Cuddy stabbed, <laughs> ring retrieved, and then another part was Space Jam. Yeah, and I was like, okay, off, off the watch list. Okay, okay, um, okay, okay. I, I wanted to mention quickly. I, I watched um, on Netflix the Pale Blue Eye with yeah. uh, with Scott Cooper. Um, I actually really liked it. Uh, Christian Bale. Um, what's that guy's name from Harry Potter? Oh, well, we should know his name because he's been great. Uh, Rupert? In, no, no, he was in. Um, he was the guy who was in Buster Gambit, Scruggs. Buster Scruggs. Melton. H- Henry Hen- Melton. Harry yeah. Melton. Henry or Harry Melton. Harry, yeah. One of the. H. I think it's Melton. maybe Harry. Yeah. H- <laughs> Initials HM. <laughs> yeah. Uh, He's the H&M. Yeah. Of H&M. But yeah, I'd heard like mixed, mixed positive on this, but um, I, I watched it. I actually really liked it. It's just, you know, um, it's like a mystery. You know, it's this Christian Bale plays this like detective who um, where. I forget what academy. It's like a military academy in upstate it's West New York, Point, isn't it? Is it West Point? I, I was going to say is. that, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Um, well, yeah, no, I did West... because if, I, if, yeah, it's, if it's I'm okay. wrong, it's West Point. I John said it, yeah. so um, <laughs> I, I but yeah, something happens at this academy, and he kind of gets called in to help solve this mystery or kind of figure out what's going on, and um, kind of gets paired up with Edgar Algen- Edgar Allan Poe, who is a uh, you know a cadet training student at the academy at that time, and they kind of are working together to solve uh, this murder. And um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of liked it. Um, Christian Bale's great, but I kind of think he kind of takes up, uh, I think in a good, in a good way, kind of <coughs> Melton HM kind of takes the center stage in the movie. I think he's really the kind of standout in the movie. I think he's just really, oh, he's wow. really good in it. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's so much so that Christian Bale and his scenes, with him, you can almost see like an amusement on his face yeah. at yeah. what at what Melton is doing. What he's doing, yeah, and like um, it is allowing him to maybe like tone down his usual sort of not quite scenery chewing, but like we know Christian Bale likes to go deep into character, and this character is a little right. bit more reticent. I feel like this movie is perfect. I I enjoyed it, but I I remember thinking this movie is perfect for. The, what you described it's th- that netflix movie yeah. like looking and seeing oh this is a new movie with christian bale i'd seen th- a trailer for it or something and i remembered oh no here it is and i watched it and i watched it in like two sittings and it was yeah i enjoyed it i was curious about it it had a real story it had a real ending it felt like a real movie right. but there was right. a part of me that felt like 
yes, this definitely feels more like, even though I love going to the movies and seeing them in a theater, um, there's a certain category of movie that you're like, you're, you kind of are used to watching at home. And this is that right. kind of movie where it's like, I, it doesn't feel like it was going to be a blockbuster or it was geared towards any particular audience yeah. that was going to push it over. And therefore it seems perfect for this kind of like, get to it when you want to, you know, decent quality film that had lots, lots of atmosphere and, and also lots of, uh, small parts uh, actors that you were like what they're in this I, you know i didn't look at a cast list before i saw it so there were two or three people that i was really surprised to see were just in the movie at all um right. so yeah i i i i, I guess i kind of second your your recommendation on that that it was even if it's not going to wow you if you like if it sounds good if you if you like I, i'm a sucker for that particular kind totally. of creepy period yeah. piece and this one is really well shot and and nicely paced and and yeah looks looks good so um, cool. Has anybody seen the drop that's on Hulu right now, starring uh, Anna Conkle from uh, Pin Thirteen? I was going to. We Pin Fifteen. Is it Pin Fifteen? Fifteen. Pin Fifteen. Yeah. Pin 15. Um, yeah, penis. And uh, and um, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess you're right. It's a five, not a not a three. <laughs> that would look like an S. Um, so yes, Peeny. Peeny. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Peeny. That's the one. That's the peenie. one where someone rubs a penis and a peeny comes out. That's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> They didn't pursue um, that pilot. Yeah. 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 Someone told me that was what was going to happen once and they tricked me. Um, no, the, um, the, and Jermaine Fowler, I don't know if you know this movie yeah. or have seen the trailers from it. Yeah, and if you know the, the if you know the concept of it, I would say the movie doesn't quite live up to the ultimate cringe implications of its premise, which is that a woman at a wedding for some friends, they're all standing around and then she drops her friend's baby. Um, and it just oh. starts this whole social thing about like people thinking differently about her and her, her significant other is there and they're about to, they're trying to have a child. And I feel like the movie, if it had found a way to keep going with that, it would have been like, it would have felt like it fulfilled its premise. Instead, it's really just yeah. a bunch of scenes after that of these characters interacting with each other. And it's like, if you look at the cast, it's a great cast of character actors and people who are v doing some really funny, fun stuff. The scenes kind of just go from one to the other, though. And you, I don't know if the movie ever made up its mind whether you're supposed to despise these characters or kind of relate to them for how fucked yeah. up they are. Uh, but Anna Conkle is very funny. Um, and Jermaine Fowler is, is pretty good in this. Like, I have not seen him do something that's so overtly comedic, I don't think. Um, and so it was fun to see him kind of fitting in with these, you know, these other uh, performers in this who are so um, uh, uh, like Jillian Bell um and um Aparna and Sherla who are very funny uh, even Joshua Leonard who people might remember from uh, Blair Witch Project he co-wrote this and he's very funny in it he plays Jillian uh, Bell's uh, husband and so yeah I, I really enjoyed it I laughed at a bunch of little things but I, I did find myself about halfway in going oh this just kind of turned into a movie about this group of friends not so much it does deal with that concept but it doesn't like it's not like that social satire you might think from that moment of like, oh, here's something that could change your life is going from someone who can be trusted to hold a baby to someone who can't be trusted. Like that's a paranoid thought I think we all have when when we're yeah, holding someone's yeah. baby, even our own baby, but especially someone else's <laughs> baby is you're like, if something bad happened to this baby, I would, you know, I would I would just be the biggest piece of shit. And Anna Conkle's mm. perfect for that because she leans into that awkwardness so much. And she's really kind of, uh, you know, there's some heroic aspects to her performance in this she does some some stuff that will remind you of stuff they did on uh pin 15 where it's like you just have to be into the comedy of it and kind of fearless to do certain things especially i think if you're mm. a woman um but no I, I enjoyed it without really thinking that it 
it it fully clicked and it, it did at the end make me feel like I'd seen something, but it never really, I guess I'll say it for the third or fourth time. It never really fulfilled the the premise, which I think is a brilliant premise. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. idea of like if you drop to someone's baby. And has anyone else been watching Paul T. Goldman, the the Peacock series that's uh, directed by Jason no. Walliner? Um, no. eh, maybe you guys should check it out. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Uh, heard it, mixed. It's, heard mixed. It's very much like the rehearsal meets. Um, like it's got elements of like curb your th- enthusiasm to it with the the sort of uh, performance that the main guy is giving, but it's a, basically a guy who's telling his story based on the book he wrote about his life, and they're shooting scenes from it from the screenplay he wrote based on the book he wrote about his life, and they're mixing those scenes in with a kind of documentary style thing that's following him telling his story. So it's very mm. meta, and that's why I mentioned the rehearsal is it really does steer into that Nathan Fielder like through the looking glass kind of territory of what exactly are you watching? Um, There's a part in this uh, uh, show where the private investigator that this main guy has hired um, uh, says of him, and they're a real investigator. It says he's the most exhausting client I've ever had, but he was so nice. And, and I was like, that's the show like that. If you want to know who this guy is, this Paul T Goldman, who's actually Paul (laughs) Finkelman in real life. Um, But like, he is the most exhausting person. Like he thinks he's being so funny when he's looking at the camera and half the stuff he says is so cringy because it's him being like, and that's the way it goes. Like he just said the funniest thing. And you can tell that he's the only one who is on board with this. And, and, but it has this meta aspect to it of seeing like decent actors show up to really try to bring life to the story he wrote about his life. And then you have the added thing of every now and then the director, Jason Walliner will kind of poke at, one of the points of Paul's story, and you'll discover that maybe he hasn't been as honest. His book is not as factual as he said. His screenplay is not as factual. So the the last episode um, is is I have not seen yet, but I think that's the one where we'll find out. Like you know, is is this guy mentally ill and just making this stuff up, or did all this stuff really happen? Um, but you know, it definitely kept me going every time I thought oh, I've seen what this concept can offer. There would be a new little wrinkle. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy who directed Jason Walliner, I think he directed the last Borat film, right? Is that? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you know, he's got an eye for that kind of reality bending, uh, you know, sort of quasi documentary style stuff. So, so if that sounds at all interesting, I would say give an episode of Paul T. Goldman a try on The Peacock. One, one last one I want to mention. I was trying to remember what the last thing I watched was, and I wanted to recommend Sick. Mm. Um which is How on is which is on Peacock right now. I really like this one a lot. Okay, I'd heard a lot about this when it premiered at uh, Toronto back in September, the Toronto International Film Festival. This is uh, co-written by Kevin Williamson um, and stars Gideon Adlon, who I mean, she's the first one I recognize. Most people know her from Blockers, um, the comedy uh, came out a few years ago. But yeah, this is just like a super timely slasher flick, like in the idea of it happening during the early days of the COVID pandemic. They're acknowledging, you know, masks and quarantining and Fauci and, you know, all this idea around, um, you know, uh, local and state governments forcing quarantine and things like that. Um, but the, the the plot of the movie is simply that, you know, these two friends decide to quarantine at one of their families like Lake House and they're basically stalked by this slasher killer um during quarantine and Ooh. uh you know it's got a mystery to it and um 
I thought the reveal was kind of fun and interesting. I think like once it gets to that, especially it's kind of like, uh, I think pretty smart, uh, and 83 minutes long. So it moves real quick and it is an easy watch, but, uh, yeah, I think Blumhouse had a hand in producing this. Um, and I was kind of surprised because like, they put a trailer out like only a few weeks before it came out on Peacock. But I guess they just didn't see a theatrical window for this. But um, yeah, if you're looking for a fun slasher flick that's a quick watch and have a Peacock subscription or can sign up for a trial, uh, I thought Sick was really fun. And uh, I don't know if you're ready to see a movie like so... Uh, directly about something that we're still going through, but I think just kind of setting it in, in that, uh, in you know, this era right now was kind of creative and the way they kind of are talking about, you know, our motivations, uh, how people approach, uh, taking care of themselves and others around them, I think is, is kind of fun. And, uh, you know, especially when you put it in the context of a slasher flick, um, I think it's a fun watch, but yeah, again, sick is on Peacock right now came out last Friday. Uh, yeah, it came out Friday the 13th. Um, but yeah, I like that one quite a bit. I've seen tons of trailers for it, I guess, because I've been watching Peacock, but I haven't been really realizing I was watching that much Peacock. But I know, I guess watching Paul T. Goldman, watching five episodes of that, I probably saw right. the trailer for Sick a bunch of times. But definitely, it looks fun. Um, the little gag with the woman in the car saying, do you have a mask when she's like running up to the, it's that scene where the person in the slasher movie yeah. runs up to a car, Ronald, like in out in the middle of nowhere. And is like knocking yeah. on the window, let me in. And the woman in the car is like, do you have a mask? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to check it out. Man. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Let me know what you think of it. I thought it was really fun. Okay. Um, I'd like to apologize for the fact that I have had this air purifier on this entire time. So if there's I background realize noise, that I have my, heat on and i didn't realize that i had it okay on. well so there's a little background noise in this episode we just yeah, we've got that going on some humming in it mm-hmm. yeah no apology needed john <laughs> um i really cool. was apologizing well, to ronald if we, i thought maybe when ronald was editing he was going to be like what the hell is that noise yeah. so <clears throat> but yeah listeners too i guess i guess i care i have i assume our voices are legible <laughs> you know even if you got a little background noise you still got your free yeah. podcast fuckers that took a dark turn um so uh that'll do it next week again required viewing athena is on netflix if you want to watch along with us and uh yeah i'm sure there'll be something else we're talking about then but moviesmovie.com is the website if you want to subscribe check out some past episodes you can jump on to any of the social media platforms that we have linked there and if you want to do the video option for the podcast youtube.com slash movies movie podcast um but yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Or you'll hear us next week. We won't see you. It'd be cool if we could see you, but we'll have to look really into cool. that technology, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Bye. And you made our day. <laughs>